Lights, sirens, heroes. You're listening to the Unreasonable Grounds Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we've got Mike, we've got Mike, and we now have Liam Kenny back for part two. Liam has returned for more punishment. Definitely. <laughs> Fantastic, guys. It's April 5th, 2021. This is episode six. Mike, I mean, we've been doing this since last October of 2020. Would you ever believe that we'd have six published podcasts out there? No, and given the numbers that you sent me earlier today with the amount of people that have been viewing it, I think that just feeds to the absolute shock factor of all this. So I'm uh, both appalled at myself and uh, (laughs) equally thrilled. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the biggest thing is like even looking at those because I have the ability to see all the downloads on a daily basis. I'm like, what are you people thinking? Like... That that's awesome! Thank you so much for downloading the podcast, and we'd love yeah, to welcome more people to it. And and I think our Instagram presence and some of our other social media platforms are bringing more people into it. But I'm just still in shock because who the hell wants to listen to a couple of first responders joke around about cop movies? You know what? If uh, they can put up with us making it up as we go along every time, this could actually really go the distance. <laughs> It's a mar- It's now gone from a 100-meter sprint and possibly falling on my face before the line to maybe it might be a 5K. <laughs> yes. It's like trying for your first 5K and ending at yeah. the 3, right? So, guys, yeah. they- you're going to be regretting not having Band-Aids sometime along that run. <laughs> Again, guys, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. And like I said, this is part two of the interview with Liam Kenny. Liam, uh, I just want to go over this again. So you right now are an actively serving Canadian Forces uh, member, correct? Absolutely, yeah. I'm a military police officer in training. Uh, Right now I'm finishing up a degree at Vancouver Island University and doing an internship with the RCMP uh, working with Mike. Dude, that's fantastic. And, And what rank are you right now? I'm an officer cadet. Sweet. Awesome. Well, Liam, thank you for your service, man. Thank you. Yeah, 100%. I've said it several times before. The same thing comes from me as well. I got to mirror that. So uh, what we're going to do, guys, is uh, I want to get into this. What do we always do when we get into this podcast? We break donut. It is the Unreasonable Grounds podcast tradition. We get into the donuts. So today is a special edition, I guess you would say. (laughs) Yeah. Because Mike doesn't have a donut. So, it's not without uh, any lack of effort. Uh, definitely a copious amount of sleep deprivation. But uh, I, I'm going to cheers in with some coffee right now. Oh, and boy. the fact that uh, I had not one, but two slices of blackberry pie after dessert. So, I don't need a donut. <laughs> You're just going to be all sugared up as well as uh, and caffeinated here pretty soon, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to give you guys a kind of a brief thing. So when we start the podcast recording, we usually do a little bit of a, a shoot the breeze, kind of talk things out, kind of see how it's all going. A lot of the time you hear about people that do podcasting, they do that. They get into a nice little quiet room. They kind of have a couple of drinks flowing and they just kind of chill out, relax before they hit the record button. We can't do that. It's COVID. So guess what we do? We just heavily caffeinate ourselves and then fill ourselves with sugar. I think it's the best possible uh, outcome on this one. The drinks might be nice too. <laughs> yeah. So today, um, yeah, exactly, Mikey's pointing. <laughs> so again, because it is audio and we get to talk to each other face-to-face via FaceTime, Mikey's just pointing to a nice beer stein overflowing in the background. So, oh, and you got your kegerator there too. Yeah, that's the, uh, the artwork above the kegerator. Fantastic. So today we have donuts. Mike, I had to go back to the little donuts. Oh, so before you bust into it, I don't want to like spoil anything, but uh, is it the new one? Yes. Oh. And it actually makes me kind of want to vomit right now. Oh. And this is early. Like, I haven't even tried in it. Anticipation? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever been that excited about something that I wanted to throw up. But I mean, hey, usually it's like nervousness. But all right. So, um, yeah, it is. I don't know. I'm trying to do this for Mike and Liam's purposes, not for yeah. the audio, obviously. This thing's making my hand shake. Uh, it's so dense. It is the salted something or other 
butterscotch caramel. I don't know what the hell this thing is. It it looked gross on the menu, but I was like, you know what? I wanted to have the Boston cream. I asked them if I could have the Boston cream. They're like, I'm sorry, we don't have any Boston creams. I'm like, what do you have? They're like, a fritter. I'm like, okay, hit me with a fritter. And they said, uh, we've got some maple one as well, too. I'm like, okay, let's do that, too. And they're like, we got our brand new one. I'm like, huh, all right, let's give it a try. Stop selling you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I. they're little donuts. And I'm expecting, in my head, traditionalist, Tim Bits. Yeah. Bite size. No, these hey, things. And that fritter that they did was half decent. So I've also got this on like dropping like <laughs> icing and everywhere. Just oh man, it's brutal. Okay, so let's do this. Let's uh, let's cheers. We're cheersing. We're breaking donut. Liam, what do you got? What do you tell me quick? I got a honey dip from Tim Hortons. Oh yeah, Good I tried classic. to go to Columbia Bakery and get the best donuts in, from Nanaimo, but they were closed today, unfortunately. Is it yeah, really the best sad. donuts in Nanaimo? Hundred percent. They are quite good. There, if you're going you get for a them. classic donut, nothing too crazy. It's the best spot. If you want something fancy, go to Coombs. <laughs> but best spot in Nanaimo for sure. When have you ever heard? I'm pretty new to the island. I've been here for three yeah, years. Yeah. When have you ever heard that <laughs> said before? Get something fancy. If you want, yeah. <laughs> it should be on their billboard over Stop the top. By the army surplus store or the pot shop. <laughs> on your yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want something fancy, go to Coombs. Oh my! Okay, well, well then. there, there's a road trip right there. Fancy donuts and army surplus. Sign me up. <laughs> the army surplus sucks too. All right, so let's do it. Let's air cheers it, boys. Cheers. All right, we're doing this. Cheers. Okay. Oh God, I don't even want to do this. Like, yes, you do. This is like I recently had Yanni's, and Yanni's oh, is oh yeah okay you don't want to do that then is like a <laughs> meal, but it's so good. This thing's like make me salivate. Well, you bite into that. I'll give you guys a little review of the blackberry pie that I just finished eating, and one of the reasons why I don't have a donut right now. Uh, homemade pie by mother-in-law that is probably tastes the exact opposite of what Mike's eating right now. <laughs> Given the look on his face. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I thought I had something clever to say, but you just, your face, I think you just peeled off a layer of skin with that grimace. <laughs> it's got like... Oh, what is that? Looks nasty. Hey, you got a new thing running around your house right now. When was the last time you saw something yeah. that looked like that? A couple hours ago? <laughs> do i have to, i gotta go for a second bite i got like none of this feeling it's just my mouth i'm fighting it down now, now get some hand sanitizer and just <laughs> i'm not even i'm not even playing uh, it up because no one can see it I'm you know what the it worst up. part about that is you didn't eat the new one no that's just the regular maple caramel <laughs> who puts maple caramel together uh there's like uh, there's like apple caramel pie. There's like maple something or other pie. Maple yeah. pecan. You don't put maple and caramel together. Very weird. Could oh, be a bad thing. Do, oh, okay, that's it. For the sake of of uh, just doing this, I'm gonna take a bite of the new one too. It's oh. Nice knowing you. Here, take it. Take it a little. <laughs> Oh no! What is that, Liam? It might just be you and me for this podcast. I'm gonna be throwing up. Likes to be passed out here. Exactly. Diabetes. I can edit a lot of this out. I think at least this one is cleansing his palate a bit. Yeah. What do you mean? You're not gonna keep us sitting here listening to you chew in the podcast, See, dude? That one's done. That's like, there's nothing to yes. it. Yeah, it, it's sort of like the fritter. Remember, like the other bad, the the pink one, the Homer Simpson donut, uh, as oh, I call it. That was that was the worst donut. That was I've horrible. Had in year. This thing here, <laughs> no, the the maple caramel is the one that blew me away. Uh, yeah, now that I've possibly taken my death pill. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're moving on. We got air cheers done. So, guys, moving on. Let's move into this. Uh, Liam, probably about three weeks ago, I asked you to go and uh, check out three movies that you told me that you'd never seen before. And those three movies that I was absolutely shocked by, and I think I'm getting the exact same reaction from Mike as basically my reaction was when you first told me. You'd never seen Heat. 
You've never seen SWAT. Now, again, a lot of people are saying, well, SWAT, you know, the TV show. No, 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 no. The 2004 rendition, which is actually the LL Cool J, Samuel Jackson, the Feral Meister, and Die Hard 3, which is Die Hard of the Vengeance, which I affectionately call DH3. Liam, again, for the people that are tuning into this one but didn't listen to the first one, what is your excuse? I don't know if I have an excuse. Poor upbringing, maybe. Um, <laughs> oh, I think I think I maybe take a stab at maybe it here. maybe with some of these, some of these maybe. I can I can say it was disappointing that I missed out on them as a youth. But uh, one of them definitely, I am not sad that I waited until now to watch. <laughs> I'm gonna guess I probably know which one it yeah, is. Yeah, I think but... you know which one I'm talking about here. Yeah, I I love the fact that you threw your parents underneath, uh, like right under the bus. <laughs> yeah. You're like it, you, we have those moments where it's like either mom or dad or grandparents or whoever it might have been that you have all those wonderful memories watching or early movies with. For me, it was like Top Gun, Days of Thunder, uh, you know those types of things. Under Siege, what a six year old was watching Under Siege for, I don't know. <laughs> See, I had the benefit of having a grandmother that was a huge Sylvester Stallone fan, so oh. it's like, hey, Mike, let's watch Rambo. <laughs> You're like Rambo First Blood. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll say right on. <laughs> well, as long as it wasn't this. Go ahead. With me though, by the time like by the time I was at a movie watching age for these kind of films, none of these were out yet. Or sorry, these had all been out for like ten years. Yeah. They, they were getting to be old movies. But even then, see, for, for someone your see, age, you missed out on the laser discs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Liam, do you even know what a laser disc is? No, is that a CD? No, well, no, kind of, but thing. but like, <laughs> if Costco made a CD, it would be the Laserdisc. It is the like, it's about that big around. Okay, maybe even a little bit more. It was the size of a record, like yeah. a large. Yeah, record. it's like a eighteen inch CD. <laughs> Never even heard of that before. But it was the one thing where if you're if it's usually like a an uncle had one. That uncle had a laser disc, and it wasn't like your parents or whatever. It was always an uncle that had one, and they would probably murder you if you even came like within ten feet of the disc, because it wasn't like See, the CDs and DVDs that we knew. It was literally the thinnest film on top, where if you oh, scratched yeah. it, the whole thing was done. It was like hundred and fifty yeah. bucks for one of those movies. See, and by the time I was watching movies, VHS was already dying, pretty much gone. Should have been dead. You're watching VHS. You were born in '98, right? 99. I've seen some, like, I had a, a good collection of VHS movies. So Those you were, were secondhand. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, like I'm trying to find anybody now yeah. that was born in the last 10 years that's seen the VHS. Well, I'm not, Even I'm secondhand not gonna, ones. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you about my uh, aunt's beta player then. <laughs> well, exactly. I, we used to have a beta player as well. It's like, oh, yeah, you had those previously recorded versions of Star Wars, the original trilogy that we used to be on beta that were, you know, recorded during Super Bowl night because <laughs> you always had Star Wars on before the Super Bowl. So Hey, I remember when I got Braveheart on VHS. It was on two tapes, two separate tapes because it couldn't fit onto one. Absolutely. And then when they came out with Star Wars, the new remastered versions with the Darth Vader helmet uh, collection. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those. This is a solid VHS collection. Now, yeah. we're, we're going to dive right into it, Liam. Obviously, you said generation z guy you know getting into these types of movies we watched the trailers and you you know generally you were interested in seeing what they were all about but tell me a little bit let's go to heat and let's start with heat so i'm going to break this down i'm going to ask you a couple different things first thing i want to know is your favorite scene in the movie 100 percent, the favorite scene was the shootout it was the coolest scene there was um i really appreciated it where uh what was his name at the very end of the shootout scene there where he grabbed the the kid as a a body shield tom, tom sizemore's character yeah and, and got sniped yeah. that was that was pretty cool like that um i appreciated the realism in the shootout scene it, it was definitely well done and better than pretty much any movie i've seen yeah no yeah i think you nailed it right there it was actually kind of recognized at the time within hollywood as one of the first hollywood realistic shootouts the fact that they actually made a big deal about the reloads and just 
you know, the kind of, it was a lot more visceral than before. One thing that I noticed about it was the, uh, the sound. Like in most movies, when you're watching a shootout, you don't even really notice how loud it is, but they really emphasized it in the movie and you could hear it echoing throughout the city. And yeah, it was cool. The best part of this podcasting is, is that I just got Mike's cat making noise on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I well, absolutely... the, way he was, the way he was coming to stick, sit down, I was worried he was going to stick his ass in the camera. So, like, <laughs> I'm like sliding the iPad over. But Liam, I absolutely agree with you. They really did punch that one out when it came to the shootout, especially the audio that came out of that. Um, we talked a little bit about it, Mikey and I, you and me, we've talked about it. The fact that the reloads were insane. Right. I mean, we talk about the reloads. We talk about the different guns that were actually involved in the different rifles, the, you know, the carbines that were involved, uh, a lot of fully auto action going on with, with the big Duramax double stack drum on it. Yeah, it was just it, it, it yeah. was absolutely insane when it comes to that uh, portion of the movie. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'll let you go on. But who's your favorite character? I don't know if I can really name one. Personally, I was bored in this movie <laughs> i struggled to pay attention enough to uh, to catch a f- favorite character um pacino had some pretty good one-liners in the movie that i appreciated um which made up for it a bit but yeah generally speaking you just like, gotta yeah, stay go awake until the shootout though <laughs> exactly <laughs> And, and that's what I was saying to Mike earlier is I, I got literally got a pillow and I put it down on the couch and I fell asleep until the, the actual shooting took place, the actual shootout, because otherwise it was it was completely boring. I, I, I got nothing out of it. Parts. If you're looking at a, at a purely cinematic yeah. uh, piece of art, I guess you would say, because there's a lot of people. I mean, I work with a couple of people that are huge movie buffs and they absolutely love the art behind it. Okay, it's it's pretty good. And it what was it, 93, 94, something like that. 95. Yeah. Yeah. So for even for 95, you're looking almost the exact same year that Die Hard 3 was put out. So you're looking at a couple of different things going on. You're talking you're taking a look at the setting. Obviously it was LAPD. I mean, LA at the time, I think they did a pretty good job of actually the the cinematography, I would say, of capturing the grittiness of LA. But otherwise, the rest of it, I mean, Val Kilmer, nothing for me. Uh, Ashley Judd, uh, did you figure out who Ashley Judd was? No. <laughs> so Val Kilmer's wife, the one that keeps kind of nagging him to get out of the game right. and do that kind of stuff. And then yeah. he throws his little hissy fit inside of his apartment because he doesn't want to, you know, give up, you know, or he does yeah. want to give up. He does want to get out, but he has to do the final job. Yeah. So Ashley Judd is uh, pretty famous for doing that. Her, like, what was Ashley Judd famous for other than Double Jeopardy? Like, she was with Tommy Lee Jones and Double Jeopardy. Yeah. Like, she had a couple other uh, bigger films back in the late 80s, early 90s. But But only as, like, kind of a supporting character. Like, I can't think of any film off the top of my head where it's, like, starring Ashley Judd. (laughs) And it just, it, it, her role just killed me in that one. The blonde, you know, it just, I, it didn't do much for me. And then Pacino, like you said, Pacino hit the lines pretty well. Uh, De Niro's character is just flat, I found, until the end. Um, you would expect that from a stone cold kind of leader of a posse, I guess you would say, like a gang kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I, I, I agree with you. There wasn't anybody that would be like, oh, these are my favorite guys. But yeah. with regards to character, that is. Um, cinematic review. Otherwise, you said it was boring, but did you, was there anything that you really liked in the film? It was, you could tell that they had done their research when it came to like police. Um, it was well produced, I think. I don't know what to say other than that. Yeah. How about you, Mikey? What do you think? We've talked about it a little bit, but. Well, you know, I think you kind of paraphrased what I would already kind of assess the movie at in the fact that it. For me, I feel like it might have been more successful as two separate movies, right? There was a lot of the heavy, uh, endless dialogue, kind of dry, not really engaging. You're trying to impose sort of like a sense of foreboding, the sense of the inevitable, like climactic shootout with and the, you know, the stories woven amongst the characters with all this dialogue. But I think it wasn't appealing to the average moviegoer because of that. 
it was it was you know there are people that like to go out and see uh i think woody allen's a good example of somebody who just talks for two hours on film great if that's what you want to go see do it you know and the dialogue part of heat will probably appeal to you i think they probably could have succeeded with the movie a lot more in trying to imply more of the stories or even just dumping some of the side stories a little bit and focusing a little bit more on a bit of a raw Hollywood cinematic delivery. And I think the fact that they were so groundbreaking for the era when it comes to a visceral, realistic shootout, I think if they had just stayed on that path for the rest of the movie and focused on that, it would have been so much more of a reward to you know cinematic masterpieces as a whole yeah because they they had action movies in that time i mean they they, it wasn't necessarily an action movie it was more of a a drama that had a a crap ton of of action in the end but i I absolutely agree with you because they could have went and taken a look at what are some of the films that were around that same era in that time you had terminator 2 that came out around the same time you had demolition man that also came around a little bit earlier to that But you have that type of filmmaking going on. You could have yeah. easily have extended that. It's not like this whole new style of filming, you know, filming these types of stories w- was completely foreign to them. We knew what was successful. Die Hard had already come out. Die Hard 1 and 2 yeah. had already been out. So yeah. I, I think that what they did was really, I mean, we've talked about it before, but they really banked on De Niro versus Pacino. And I think that if it was a dramatic, if they were trying to make a dramatic effect, they were trying to find a way to do a cop movie for Godfather. And I just, I, I feel like for the time, yeah, dramatically, if it was a film that you wanted, like you said, like a Woody Allen, go for the dialogue, they probably succeeded. But otherwise, it just fell flat in the, in the first three quarters yeah. of the movie. But yeah, I mean, it, moving on, obviously, Liam, what do you think? Do you think that you would suggest this film to anybody around the same age as yourself or anybody else for that fact? I don't think so. Um, you were right when you said it, it appeals to a certain audience, but nobody in my life comes out right away as somebody who would be, who I know would enjoy this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan. And it, now, it, what about the, the shootout? Cause you know, that's a whole different movie in itself. Mm-hmm. Would you say, Hey, just fast forward to the you know <laughs> one hour 30 mark. Watch 20 minutes and then turn it off. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Find that Perfect. video on YouTube. And oh, there you go. Yeah. He, he got the best part of the movie done. I was going to say, that's a YouTubeable movie for sure. That's like yeah. one of those ones where you get a buddy at work that tells you, hey, man, do you watch, uh, you know, Heat? And you're like, no, I haven't seen it. Go home and watch it. Like, yeah, I'm literally going to look up Heat best scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably only going to be, like you said, it's just going to be the shootout. Um, yeah. I will have to say an honorable mention for that movie. And I've said it, Mike, with you before when we did the review of the top 10 cop movies. Uh, yes. It's going to have to be that meeting inside the cafe between Pacino and De Niro when they w- sat down. And he basically has the, the come to Jesus conversation between the two mm. different groups, the cops and the mm-hmm. robbers. Yeah. And it's the, if I come across you, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to put you down. And the vice versa. It's like, well, if you come yeah. and get me. I'm not stopping and, and I'm going to finish what I need to do. You know, that yeah. kind of badass conversation that you would have. I would never imagine in my job sitting down and having that conversation with somebody, especially yeah. not in a hundred dollar a plate would look like uh restaurant in downtown LA. It's like, it's okay. The federal government's paying for this. It's like, Hey, I'll go and meet you at the Timmy's at the corner of Bowen and Northfield. And we'll sit down and have a conversation. <laughs> Stop stealing cars. Yeah, yeah. Drive through in Harewood. <laughs> exactly. University Heights. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's get into what I actually prefer with SWAT. So, Liam, same thing. Hit me with it. Favorite scene in SWAT. Na, 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 na. <laughs> I liked the very end. Uh, the airplane scene as they're, they're okay. storming the plane. And then... Uh, is it gamble runs away yep jeremy uh, renner's then, character yeah yeah runs away and gets chased by street and ends up getting squashed by the train i love the fact uh, that, that you remember solid. their character names 
I had to study first. I'm really yeah. bad with the names. <laughs> I, I actually don't remember the actors' names. I had to go uh, with the, yeah. the characters. Yeah, because who is going to be Colin Farrell? And it's going to yeah, be Jake. Like, and then Hawkeye gets killed by a train. Yeah, what the hell was Hawkeye doing? Why did he have earrings? But yeah, I mean, obviously, that is the epic SWAT ending. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I mean, Mike, you can chime in on this one as well, too. That ending scene with the plane was very cool. I mean, when you talk of cinematic uh, history in the last, maybe we'll go 30 years. The only other event that I've seen that has come close to that, where they actually used a live set, probably drug an airplane across that bridge, was in the movie we're going to talk about next with Die Hard 3, with the subway. Mm-hmm. What I thought was yeah. really cool. You know, it's it's definitely one of the movies where it's probably, it is in the era where it's the last of the massive practical effects. Like, we will never, ever see that again. Like, we... You know, we got through the era where they tried to do it with CG and it wasn't quite good enough. But now we're in the era where CG is, can actually be better than film in a lot of time. It's just how much time and effort do you put into the uh, post-production effort. So uh, anybody that's seen the newest, uh, you know, Avenger movies, you know, probably 99.9% of that movie is CG. So... If anybody thinks that, you know, any of that was shot in film, go watch a behind the scenes thing because it's the amount of post-production work they did on that film is absolutely groundbreaking because it doesn't look like it. It's basically so. Avatar, but looked way better than Avatar. Yeah, it's just they, they broke a lot of thresholds. I follow more than a few people on youtube that do vfx stuff and whatnot and it is definitely kind of a a bit of a holy grail for special effects in some cases specific example would be the white avengers uh like uniforms that they're wearing in the one scene when they're all marching together those uniforms never existed that's all cg right so and then when you think about a movie like swat and you know and there was no CG there at all. You might have a bit of a backdrop on one or two yeah. of the scenes with the bridge. You yeah, might have, like, but... No, sorry. Like, or like, you know, tweaking a bit of an explosion or something like that. But the vast amount of stuff that we saw in SWAT, I think one of the reasons why it does hit so hard with the viewer is because there is that raw visceralness of the realness, right? Like, it, it's it's got a, an element of real to it that, yeah, there's part of it you could say was kind of over the top but the way it was delivered it still kind of panned out you're like okay this is pushing reality to you know its extent but there is an element of hey this could happen you know it's the way it was shot at least for me it felt like you know you could really get into the scene i remember being thoroughly pumped up when i saw that (laughs) in the theater uh and yeah it was it was a good one and it was it's so in other words it wasn't a michael bay movie no and that's it like see that's entertaining in its own right but too much yeah i i completely agree mike now liam favorite character from the movie then what do you think i i have i wait 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 i could probably guess but i'll let you hit me with it anyways go ahead i love tondo he was super cool a great leader and I, I loved his relationship with Street and all the other people on the team. Just cool. Mine's LL Cool J. Sorry. Hands down. <laughs> there wasn't can, enough LL in that movie. How, how can you lip your lick your lips like LL Cool J and not just absolutely melt? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez was cool in that movie, too. I really liked her character as well. Well, um, and it's nice for her because she didn't have to act at all. There's, there's a half dozen movies where she plays the same character, and that's mm-hmm. one of them. And she Not is getting a, a bad thing. Yeah, and she is getting a bit you typecasted know. with that role. I mean, I think probably oh, yeah. Fast and Furious has done that to her. Yep, for sure. But, I mean, even look at things like Avatar, right? Where she's, you yep. know... The helicopter pilot. Fly- yeah. Exactly, right? But, I mean, she has done some pretty crazy other movies and stuff too, right? So, nothing to discredit her, but definitely typecast. And that's... Mm-hmm one of them where it really fits in 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, what did you like so much about Hondo again? Like, it, it was it, you said it was a leader thing, but was there anything else you liked about Hondo? I mean, I'm personally when I watch a movie, like the part that draws me in the most is the relationships between everyone. Um, Hondo, just how he interacted with Street, um, how cold he was, and I really appreciated the scene uh, where they were at the shooting range. He was placing mm. bets. That was hilarious. Love that. He's doing the Hondo role. It's yeah. like, do you roll Hondo? And he's yeah. like, Hol-. what is it? Rollings for only in John Woo movies. Isn't that the exact quote? But I mean, yeah, it's Hondo. I mean, he, that's an epic Samuel Jackson role. I mean, and it definitely was not Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh. so definitely Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and I really do think that, yeah, it was solid when they brought in Sam L. I mean, that's you just, you can't beat him for that particular role. Uh, mm-hmm. Colin Farrell, I thought got really old, really fast. The, the brooding, you know, moody guy that loses his girlfriend and gets kicked out of the teams. I mean, that, that's the role that is it, but it probably mm-hmm. maybe somebody of a lesser caliber. Cause even at that time, Colin Farrell was a big name. I think one thing that I, it's totally obscure, but one thing that I really appreciate about Colin Farrell and SWAT, as well as uh, most of his other movies, is his ability to do away with his Irish accent. If you've ever seen him in any sort of like, you know, off the cuff interview or something like that, that man has got a terribly thick Irish accent. And He's from Dublin. He's got to be from Dublin. Oh, yeah. And it's, it is ghetto as Irish accent can get. So <laughs> the fact that you can then watch Street and you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's, you know, he's from I didn't LA. even know he had an Irish accent. Yeah, there you go. Is and he is like, like, and it's really Irish. <laughs> like, <laughs> the the so. unibrow usually gives it away, but it's, it, yeah, he's he's definitely, I mean, he's kind of one-dimensional. If he, I agree with you, his ability to take away that accent, uh, he's definitely trained, that's for sure. Um, if you looked at actually Colin Farrell in Minority Report, and I know I told you, Liam, that's definitely another one that you got to check out. Again, playing that, he's actually got a different accent in that one. It's like he has very much a California accent in the film, kind of. You hear the the uh, Irish come out a little bit in SWAT, um, especially when he uses slangs like, all right, and that kind of thing, you hear it. But uh, Minority Report, it's completely stripped. Yeah. But, I think one of, uh, one of Colin Farrell's uh greatest movie that's also kind of sh- shamed upon is his version of total recall i actually really like it like i love arnold's original and it's got its own hilarities to it as well but colin farrell's total recall is totally worth a watch if you haven't seen it liam invest the two hours and that's just check it out. that's jessica beale in that one too right isn't that jessica beale Oh yeah, yeah. I think, that's I think right. she's in that one, yeah. and there's a couple other like decent names in that Total Recall. I, I was yeah. I was oh, actually impressed um, with it. Oh, uh, uh, what's her name from Underworld? Kate Beckinsale, I think is. Yep. The, that's yeah, the girlfriend yeah. slash wife. Yeah. And then yeah, Jessica yeah. Biel plays another love yeah. interest. That you know that whole role. Yeah, but you get the love triangle thing. It, it it's it's kind of a good movie. It's uh, at least for me anyway. There's enough, you know reality there with uh, a splash of sci-fi that's you know as technology advances every day it's getting less far from reality so it, it makes it quite enjoyable nice so getting back to SWAT a little bit there as well too Liam cinematic review what do you think about the actual making of the movie for somebody uh, your age what do you think with regards to it? obviously you're going to probably tell us anyways that it, it's little bit aged when it comes to the special effects because it there's probably absolutely zero cg but what do you think what did you get a kick out of yeah it's, you already talked about it when you mentioned the the plane and how that's done with no cg to think of all the work that would have went into doing that is pretty crazy like <laughs> hauling a full plane down that bridge um overall i thought it was it was pretty well produced um and stands up against movies from today yeah i think it really if you put that one beside end of watch i think again another movie where they're not using cg for Mm -hmm. any part of that film i mean that's i really get a kick out of that um i think it really stands up like you said what did you i'm kind of curious and mike you can probably weigh in on this one as well too had you ever heard of the hollywood or i think it's west hollywood shootout 
Had you ever heard of that before? No, no, I hadn't. Okay, so in the beginning of the film, that's actually what they're trying to portray is their own rendition or own version of the West Hollywood uh, shootout that occurred. And this was really, um, it was wild for, what was that, 91? I think it's 91, 92 was the, was the shootout there. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it, it's pretty much a, a pivotal uh, point in history for law enforcement, especially in North America. And uh, I would say, in all honesty, for a professional interest as well, it's worth spending you know, a little bit of time, even if it's just on Wikipedia learning something about it, because mm-hmm. what happened as a result of that and the, in the years that followed and how you know, policing, especially in L.A., evolved uh, but also affected all across the world, especially in North America. It, it was it was a game changer. Yeah, mandatory SBA. So when you start talking about body armor, mm-hmm. you start talking about the use of carbines and bringing in carbines. The advancements yep. in SWAT that you know, and that's kind of the reason yep. why they made the film is because that and and portrayed that at the beginning because that must have been a pivotal moment. Yep. I mean, obviously, I'm not talking out of turn for anybody that's with LAPD or... God, you imagine if anybody in LAPD ever listened to this podcast. <laughs> but if anybody actually was around that time, that's probably something that really came up. So at the beginning of the movie, where you actually see the bank robbery, that is it. That is what okay. took place. There was a bank robbery. I believe, again, I might be murdering it, but it was in Hollywood. But I can't remember if it was East or West uh, Hollywood. And mm. the guys went in head to toe, full armor. And just went for it. And then there was a nasty shootout that took place during yes. that where they came out and literally sprayed the entire place. But it was one of the few where they actually had what you see now. If you go on KTLA, you can actually watch the television stations from LA where they do the pursuits where it's like literally a helicopter. They have like three or four helicopters up all day long and they know they're going to see a pursuit take place in LA yes. like every morning. And in this particular case, in this event that took place, this scenario was that they had those choppers overhead and got literal footage of all of it. Yep. If you check out uh, websites like LiveLeak, Liam, you can actually see the raw uncut videos of that shootout from, uh, you know, the news choppers and stuff like that. And it's like, you can see the SOCs get full on shot and because they're so wrapped up in body armor, just shrug it off and keep going. Like it's, it's, it is an intense watch. So, yeah. And it's, just one of those things where it, it's kind of neat for people like Mike and I, who I remember when I watched SWAT, I had heard of, cause I live so close to the American border. We had heard of the West Hollywood shootout and it's like, Oh man, we see that. You're like, damn. And I, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't use some actual footage over the top there mm. as they go over the bank, because it literally was like dead on. Yeah, um, I didn't realize yeah. that was a, a real scene. So would you recommend, obviously, SWAT to anybody else? Absolutely. I think anybody who is interested in policing would would enjoy this movie for sure. Now, so anybody in your age bracket, if not, maybe not interested in policing, would you ever suggest that movie to anybody? Yeah, oh, totally. Totally. It, it stands up comparatively to other movies that are still being produced now. Maybe not Avengers, but other movies like End of Watch, mm-hmm. you said, that are superb um the story is there to back it up i think so i think liam uh when i uh, listened to part one of the the podcast when you and mike were talking about having seen the trailer and how the trailer for swat appealed to you so much Mm -hmm. i think you really hit the nail on the head when you were talking about how the premise of the story of squat with this billionaire calling out the masses from Mm -hmm. the underground to come and free him for a chunk of his fortune like that is just such a wild idea yeah cool in all honesty particularly i think in today's day and age with the prolificness of social media i think that it's honestly not a real big stretch of the truth right like what, what happens would... when Elon Musk gets arrested? Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're going to pull out the trailers and start jumping out of the trailers, the Mac-10s, and yeah. <laughs> they're coming out from the, the homeless, the homeless garb. They're just going to pull their little carts out there. and yeah. every Driving time... electric cars into the police station. <laughs> <laughs> every, every time I see somebody coming across with the the blanket over their head, and then I'm, I mean, obviously... Uh, 
God, we love Nanaimo, but it, it's got a problem. Uh, but you see people with those blankets over their heads all the time with the carts. And I'm just like, God, do you imagine? After watching SWAT, the guy just throws the thing over, a total gangster move, and just yeah. spraying bullets. I'm like, oh, man, God. It, it, just your, your spidey senses goes nuts just because you've seen yeah. something yeah. that that's happened with. Yeah, I've got Hollywood-fueled paranoia. <laughs> So moving on, let's get to DH3. This is Die Hard with a Vengeance, John goddamn McClain, Zeus, Samuel Jackson. We're back to Sam L. It's amazing that you haven't seen that many films with Samuel Jackson. Hit me with your favorite scene in Die Hard. I'd have to say my favorite scene is the train scene. Um, the cinematics behind that and the intricacies of trying to crash up a train um in 95 when this film was made it's pretty amazing yeah i mean just getting into that scene is pretty cool because you you have mclean's inside the subway he's actually are in the train he's got mm-hmm. the bomb and everything and he's doing that whole thing where he's telling everybody to get the hell out of his way kind of thing you've got the red sauce kind of blending in with the 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 clear formula you've already been triggered and told in the, er- the earlier part of the movie, I guess you'd say, the explanation of what these bombs are like and what triggers them. So he's mm-hmm. losing his damn mind. He's trying to punch the stupid window out. You got Zeus talking to the cop over at the payphone. You Hilarious. Know, he, he, there's nothing better. There's so much going on in that scene. Like when I, I watched it again today, because I was like, I, that again, probably one of my top three favorite scenes in that movie. There's just so much going on. The fact that Samuel Jackson's like, you, if you're going to shoot me, then shoot me. But I need to answer that phone. And he ends up on the ground. He's like, guys, you're going to want to get down. Right? I just, it blows me away. Mikey, what was your, what was your favorite in, in DH3? Uh, I think for me, one of the things that really cemented it as I, I think I'm with Liam in the fact that I really like the relationships that form in the movies. You know, I love you know, I love the action. I love gunplay movies, but the thing that makes it from just like a fun two hours to a really resounding epic, like Die Hard with a Vengeance was, was the relationship between Hey Zeus <laughs> I was about to say. and <laughs> McLean, and little things like you know uh, when they end up stealing the car from the dude and then abandoning the car. And he's like, oh, I don't think he's going to be too choked up about it when he looks in the back seat. And it's because Zeus had left the brick gold in the back seat of the car. And he's just like, ah! <laughs> you know, it's just those kind of little banters that have no impact on, you know, what is the so-called plot of the movie. Um, but it, it makes this real kind of human element and the inevitable mm-hmm. relationship that would form between these two guys and going through what, you know, would be a absolutely mind blowingly stressful event. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it makes it feel more real. And And, in real time though, I mean, you know, years later we would deal with 24, the actual TV series 24. And they started to get into this whole thing with film when it came to storylines that were within a certain period of time. I fully believed that all that probably could have taken place in the time of the movie during Die Hard. What was that? Four hours? There was no night other mm-hmm. than the alternate ending. And I'll call it the alternate ending because the, the cinematic ending is not the way that it was supposed to be. I don't know if you guys have seen the alternate ending. No. And it's way more badass than the original or the cinematic version, the one that was actually released. But... So yeah, when we're talking about the amount of time, yeah, it definitely seems like it could have been within that two and a half hours taking place. Like maybe it extend to four or five, maybe six hours, but it probably took place during that time. Yeah. And Mikey, I have to say the Jesus thing was probably like one of the funniest moments of the film for me because of the fact that yeah. he's in the back seat and he's like, isn't that right? Thanks, Jesus. And he's like, no, it's hey zeus like as yeah. in like what does he say the god of thunder like i'm gonna yeah. shove a lightning bolt mm-hmm. up, a your lightning ass. up your ass yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a problem with that like, yeah classic 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 film uh 
All right, so your favorite character in the whole thing. I mean, you don't have a whole lot to choose from, but like, yeah. What do you think, Liam? I want to say uh, Zeus, just because of how funny he was. But Bruce Willis is the star. Um, I think I'm still leaning towards Zeus. Just, just it, how he interacted um, with McLean was hilarious. Um, I love the Hey Zeus scene. Um, he was just a good comedic relief. And this is the second time that they've worked together because they had Pulp Fiction before that. Yeah. <laughs> what I found was really interesting, a little tidbit about it, was Samuel Jackson was never meant to play that role. And little did you know, DH3, so Die Hard with a Vengeance, that actual script was actually meant to be a Lethal Weapon uh, movie, which was oh. actually, actually kind of neat. So Lawrence Fishburne was actually supposed to be uh, Zeus. Uh, was he too busy doing the Matrix? Or? Work up too, because they said it took five years of production to be able to make Die Hard with a Vengeance. Wow. After they'd figured out the whole thing. So apparently Lawrence Fishburne was supposed to be lined up for it and then had a negotiation issue with how much he was going to get paid. And they said, no, they sold it to Fox. Fox picks it up, turned it into a diehard. And like the rest was written for Samuel Jackson and, and Bruce Willis. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think they, they won out on Sam L. But uh, yeah. cinematic review. You already said that you like the train scene when it comes, cr- or comes crashing through the subway. What, mm-hmm. Like overall, I mean, there's a lot going on in that movie. You have planes, trains, and automobiles. That's the thing. Like, there's, it, it's diehard. There has to be yeah. everything in that film. So, what did you, th- what did you think with regards to the actual, the filming of the movie, the cinematic value? What do you think? I think the combination of all the super cool scenes from the subway scene, um, plus like him driving through that uh, aqueduct with it flooding and having to get out of there. Um, paired with the relationship building and just how the relationship between uh, Bruce Willis and Samuel was, and then as well, like the story with Simon and how he's sending him on all this wild goose chase, and how it again relates all the way back to what happened in Die Hard One. Uh, I, I think the story really makes it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's and, and Mikey, I think you're going soft on me, saying that you're big into relationships, so good on you. <laughs> uh, I, I completely agree with you. Definitely DH3 was a buddy film, like a buddy cop yeah. film, where one of them definitely was not a cop. But no. uh, but definitely, for sure, it, it, you know, the storyline does do it. The relationship between those two sold that film. I can't think yes. of another one in that era, like 93 through 97, that really, you know, stands up other than maybe Dumb and Dumber. When you're talking about like that, that quality relationship between two characters that the entire film is just about two guys. Yeah. You, you really, I don't think you're going to find very much there that stands up to that Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis. No, and I think it's one of the things where the movie was able to take itself out of the cliche Hollywood action fest. Like it was an action packed movie. But the fact that the chemistry between Bruno and Samuel L. were so good was that, you know, they all of a sudden they're in a park and they're doing a, like, elementary school logic puzzle with jugs of water. And <laughs> Did you're you guys like, figure that out? While it was happening in the movie, were you trying to figure it out yourself? Absolutely. That's the whole point. Did you yeah, get I it? Had, I had done that exact test <laughs> in elementary school. <laughs> I, I had to not, Google it not even they joking. did it in the movie. There's entire yeah, videos on YouTube on how just that riddle itself and the fact that it's yeah. from Die Hard. So when uh, they did it, I was like, oh, man. And I remember watching it for the first time, and I was like, these guys are magical. How would they figure that out? <laughs> and later on in life, obviously, you figured it out. But, yeah, even now I'm pretty amazed by it. Some NYPD uh, cop went and figured that out on the side of the road. Well done. Good job. <laughs> uh, so, again, on DH3, Liam, would you recommend the film to anybody else, your age? Absolutely. That one, 100%, I would recommend that to anybody, whether they're interested in cop movies or not. Yeah, agreed. That's just all around good movies. Now, the, the quality of the actual movie, I mean, obviously, we're not talking 4K. We're not talking about, you know, HD cameras or, you know, uh, what are those big, giant uh, IMAX cameras or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself a little bit bored by that a little bit when it came to the no. quality of the film? 
I didn't actually like not at all. I didn't even notice it as a factor. And I think it's because I was so impressed by the rest of the movie. Um, there's definitely films like I noticed it in Heat. Um, the fact that it wasn't up to the same standard production wise as it would be now, but I didn't notice it in Die Hard. Yeah, hundred percent. I completely agree with you. That's uh, it, it. Just it adds to the grittiness of ninety-five mm-hmm. New York City. New York City is a disgusting place, but you know, I always wanted to go there. <laughs> Uh, but just what what Hollywood makes it out to be. So, and especially it being NYPD, who's probably got one of the biggest reputations for being gritty, especially with that New York, Brooklyn, Harlem kind of you know feeling that you get from the movie. So, uh, guys, based on that, Liam, you have now watched three of the most probably influential police movies over the last 25, 30 years. So overall, you said, what was your favorite film out of these three? Die Hard, 100%. That right. one was, it was an easy choice. Um, I gave them all, all three a ranking. I'll go from uh, best to worst. Die Hard, I rated 9 out of 10. Yeah, uh, that's... Swat, 8 out of 10. And then Heat got a, a measly 6 out of 10. <laughs> you gave way more yeah. than I did. <laughs> oh, Mikey, we talked about this one. I was like, Heat's like a 4 to me. <laughs> it, it got four points just for the shootout so yeah yeah well and that's here. that's it right so nine like out said, of ten it's, it's two movies <laughs> exactly nine out of ten for dh3 eight out of ten for swat and six out of ten for heat uh yeah. liam dude thank you so much for coming on the podcast man i really appreciate appreciate you coming on uh mike and i are very appreciative everybody the team thank you so much for coming out uh, I wish you the best of luck, especially with schooling, what you're going through. And as well, thank you so much for your service with regards to the Canadian Forces. Um, I'm sure you're going to have a very lengthy career going forward. I wish you all the best. Uh, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Again, this is episode six of the Unreasonable Grounds podcast. Uh, do us a favor, check out the website, www.theunreasonablegroundspodcast. Check out the Instagram page at, at Unreasonable Grounds Podcast as well. Check us out on Spotify. Uh, iHeartRadio app as well as Google Podcasts and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Lights, sirens, heroes. You're listening to the Unreasonable Grounds Podcast.